You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Horizons Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josiah, and today I'm joined once more by Pastor Steve Felder of the Lost Creek Campus. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, So we're going to, once again, plumb the depths of a very interesting topic. Um... We've been uh, discussing over the last few weeks, if you've been following along with our series at the church in between, we've been talking about uh, life in between when our uh, our bodies die before our bodies are resurrected, what what life is like in between uh, in that state. Um, cause, so could you give us a quick kind of a, a recap about what we've learned so far in this series about uh, talking... Uh, to the dead and the dead talking to us uh, from these messages. Okay, yeah, from um, from what Pastor Quint and uh, Pastor Josiah have talked to us about in these two messages they did, uh, the thing that I think we should come away with is that the lost the lost dead can't return and talk to us. They're not allowed. They're in a place of called Hades, and the righteous dead can't return, but they don't want to. Yeah. Um, and it, when you in your message when you talked about Samuel coming back, he's a little. He's not happy about yeah, it. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's why disturbed me yeah. from my rest. So he was he was not he was not anxious to come back here, which gives us a little clue that not only do the righteous uh, dead uh, not only can't they come back, but they don't really want to. They right. want to stay where they are. Uh, therefore, I, God gives us a warning to to not try to communicate with the dead. Um, because it's dangerous on a, at least two levels. I mean, uh, on a functional level, it sets us up to be to be taken advantage of by uh, charlatans who who really prey on our deep desire to reconnect with people we love, and so that functionally we we are set up to to be financially taken advantage of and emotionally misabused, really, by people who just want to make money off of our grief. You mean they don't actually want to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, and the world is full of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other, then there's this, the other level of which is dangerous is because it is spiritually dangerous. There are spirits that roam the earth, good and bad. Right. And uh, when God talked, pulled Satan in and Job one and said, hey, where you been? You remember he said, yeah, I've been, been going here. Wandering to and fro. I've been roaming the earth, earth you know. <laughs> and Peter yeah. says uh, when he's wa- roaming the earth, walking to and fro on the earth, he's not looking whom he may bless. Right. He's <laughs> looking whom right. he may devour. Yeah. You know, he mm-hmm. is he is he is a lion and he is he is looking for prey. And of course, when we're hurting and when we're desperate and and in pain, we are prey to him. He will. He has no problem taking advantage of that. And so, if a good angel comes to you, he's not going to come and pretend he's someone you love and prey on you. If someone does that, you know that's not Michael, a good angel. <laughs> nope. That's one of uh, that's that's a deceiver whose natural. I mean, Jesus said that the the. the the native language of Satan is to lie. He yep. is a deceiver. And so he has no problem doing those kinds of things and preying upon our grief to uh, to wreak havoc upon our souls. So that's, uh, that's I think that would be, if, if we came away from those two messages by you and by Quint, um, with that clarity, then point, uh, then, then, then we've come away with some really good stuff. So, so if the dead 
can't come back to us. You know, the the unrighteous can't leave. The righteous don't can't and don't want to. Right. Um, the, the question I think that we might ask is, uh, can we go to the dead in something like a near death experience? Experience or like are those yeah. are those real? Like, does the yeah. Bible talk about yeah. that? Uh, that seems to be kind of a controversial yeah. issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, everybody goes to the dead, but but they don't come back and talk about it. <laughs> right? You know, they don't. Uh, we everybody goes to the realm of the dead, uh, either to to paradise or to Hades. One of those two. Uh, but the question is, are there people who go to the edge of that who don't cross? that final line who kind of get a peek inside of it and and then god gives them a reprieve and they come back uh it's a not a death experience that's a near death experience mm-hmm. an nde and does that experience happen and when they come back uh, to to their the, their life is restored they resuscitate their their bodies and are, are enlivened again and they're brought back to this world, uh, is that, is what they tell us, um, dependable. Yeah. Uh, and what should we make of that? Is the mm-hmm. experience real and is what they're telling us about it dependable? Well, I think the, probably the closest thing we have to a near-death experience in the Bible, we don't have anything that specifically tells us about that or uses that kind of language, but we have a, one experience in the Bible that Paul had that's probably the closest thing to it. The language that he uses and the experience has a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels, um, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. And he, Paul's talking about himself in the third person. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago uh, had this experience. He's, and he says, literally, he says, whether in the body or or, or out, out of the body. body. <laughs> I don't know. know. Yeah, he says God knows. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he's so perplexed by this. This thing has him so spun up inside. He's not really sure what happened. And he says that twice. He says whether, and he's talking about himself, he says whether I was in the body or out of the body, I really don't know, uh, but it was a real experience for me. God knows whether how that worked. Uh-huh. Uh, but he said, but it happened 14 years ago, and I was taken to, he says, the third heaven. I was taken to paradise, the good side, the, where the where the righteous um, are, righteous dead are. And right. he says, I was taken there, and um, and then he says, and I saw things and and experienced things that are inexpressible. And not only can I not talk about it, I don't have words to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, oddly, that's when people have near death experience. That is often one of their complaints is. I can't put it into words. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Paul said that uh, this happened for him 14 years ago. So if you do the math, say, when did this happen? Uh, some people have said, well, it happened at his conversion mm-hmm. when he struck down. Sees Christ. Yeah, sees Christ road of Damascus. But Second Corinthians was written in 56 AD. Do the math. 14 years ago was be 42 AD. Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, 36 AD, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Some would say, well, it's when he was uh, when he was on his first missionary journey and got stoned. Uh, 
not stoned as an intoxicated. They got, <laughs> you know, they got stoned they took as and they and took, tried to kill yeah, him. <laughs> yeah, right. That kind of stone. Very and um, so he and he that he almost died, and that some try to put it there and say that's when he had this experience. But that would have been years later. Um, Forty-two A.D. Paul is either in Tarsus or in Antioch. We're not sure which of those two places, but it's pre pre um, missionary journey. Mm-hmm. So. Whether he, you know, he was he was constantly getting himself into a jam where he was, you know, people were trying to kill him. So it wouldn't surprise me to know that there was another near-death experience in his life that we know nothing about. Uh, but he's, we don't know anything about what happened in that period of time. He doesn't, this is, he's had this 14 years ago. Right. And he hasn't talked about <laughs> yeah, so it. Yeah, it's the first mention we have of it, you know. Yeah. You know, it's quite different from, you know, if a person has one of these experiences and they come off of it and their intent to write a book immediately about it, we shouldn't be surprised if they later say, <laughs> I recant, I really didn't, I didn't have the experience. Have experience. Uh, most people that have these things mm. really are mesmerized by them and can't articulate it and are, and, uh, are, are struggle, struggle right. with it. You know, um, But he had 14 years before he, he even talked about it, told mm-hmm. anybody about it. We wouldn't have known about it if he hadn't dropped this little tidbit on us. Right. But... But anyway, uh, so he says um, he had this experience, and he saw things. He was going to experience things in his in his missionary journeys that are were going to really. He was going to see the worst side of man, and he was going to experience some of the most difficult uh, sufferings. You know, of, of probably. Gosh, I don't know. He's got to be in the top ten percent of the people who went through struggles oh, as a Christian. Yes. You know, <laughs> and so to help him offset the huge struggles he was going to be, God gave him this experience to center him, to help him to get a experiential moment that really helped him to put things, suffering in perspective. And he says things like, well, in light of what's coming, this is nothing. Yeah. You know, so it, he, he gave, it gave him perspective. But the great danger for Paul in this passage and the great danger for anybody who has, uh, that, that claims to have these experiences, uh, is that these experiences are not self explanatory hmm. you know they have they have to be interpreted yeah and that's i guess that's the like if that's the closest thing we have in scripture right that's the closest experience we have that in the bible that's our one reference to that um and if this is real what is what does that tell us about those experiences about life now about how we yeah. interpret those because that kind of puts you in a bind, you know. Because I think the the thing for Paul was that he had the experience. He knew he had the experience of being this apparently what seemed to him to be an out of the body experience. And he goes to this third heaven. And he sees things he can't even explain and can't tell people about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he isn't allowed to, but they are centering for him. They help him. Um, he said that the great danger for him was that he would misinterpret this and he become conceited er- and arrogant towards God and man mm-hmm. that he would assume that he was because he had this somehow he's one up on his on guys who didn't <laughs> and that because <laughs> that because he had this experience that that he was not accountable to God uh, some way the human mind takes privilege and turns it into entitlement and that I'm not somehow accountable and he said that mm. was the big danger for him that he would become yeah. arrogant conceited and better feeling like he is one up on man and not accountable to God. And so God gave him, he said, a thorn in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. He gave him a thorn in the flesh um, to 
buffet him, he said, to remind him to keep his his arrogance in place so that he didn't kind of become this this uh he didn't write the million dollar book. To <laughs> yeah, he didn't. And, 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 and he didn't he didn't see this as being unaccountable to God, making him somehow some 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 special being that was mm-hmm. not accountable to God anymore. Uh, it was this reminder, God whispering in his ear, you are merely a man that I'm using. And right. and he gave him this this thorn in the flesh to keep him humble and therefore to keep him usable in the kingdom. So I think that same thing is true for human experience. That there's somewhere they say the, the current numbers are three to five percent of all human beings, not just America, worldwide, and that's one of the things that make this this near-death experiences um, interesting. Is that they're not tied to um, they're not tied to a culture, right? They're not tied to a religion. Mm-hmm. They're a worldwide experience that that twenty five million people have had one of these huh. in the last fifty years, yeah. uh, and they have had them in all different cultures, all different religious heritages, all around the world, and um, and so, um, you know, if you get into cardiac arrest patients. The numbers there get up to as high as 18% of people in the Netherlands who had cardiac arrest uh, experienced one of these. So there was something something that, that in this near-death moment that uh, even in, in that world got pretty – it gets more and more common. Um, but anyway, but the, the big problem, I think, or the big struggle is if these things are real, yeah. if these experiences are uh, where a person is a person is about to die and they are brought to the precipice of death and then it is reversed their experience is reversed and they're brought they're brought to a place where they can return to continue to live on this earth if that experience is real it has to be interpreted yes it's not the, it is not a self-interpreted experience yeah <laughs> you know no basis for how to do that anyway <laughs> yeah and so you know uh the uh, about twenty percent of the people have these experiences. Say they were terrified. Mm. Uh, they don't write about those. Yeah, <laughs> nobody writes a book <laughs> how I was how I got know. a glimpse into hell and was terrified by it. You know, they don't write those books. Um, but about eighty percent have a accepting, uh, pleasant experience that they interpret as God accepting them, and um, or that this was a positive experience at least, and then that has to be interpreted. And so those interpretations uh, are vary. I mean, there's there's kind of a, a range of ways that people have interpreted those, and I'd say they probably fall into about three big camps. Hmm. Okay? So, yeah. So um, there's, for example, there's a very large group of those of folks who interpret these <clears throat> kind of by the seat of their pants. They interpret them, what seems right, what seems good to my own eyes. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> um, I'm using, I'm going to kind of, what do I think it means? You know, that kind of thing. Yes. And they're not going to use any other resource to, to interpret what they just saw. It's just like, what's my opinion? And hmm. out of that group, you get some very strange opinions about, well, I, I'm okay. You're okay. You don't need to worry about death. I don't need to worry about death. God's got me, got my back. He's got yours. We don't, we're not really accountable to him. We're just going to die and everything's going to be fine. And you get a lot of this, uh, we're going to, we're going to kind of melt into the, into the cosmic. universal consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot of that. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not the experience. That's interpretation of the experience. Yeah. And so that's one group. 
And then you get another group that interprets the experience uh, through the lens of their religion, which is not Christian. And right. so if a person is in Islam, yeah. they're going to interpret it through the lens of what did Muhammad say. Right. Yeah. If, they're, if, they come, if they're a Hindu, they interpret it through the lens of, of how does how what is what is this interpreted to me through the lens of hindu teaching and mm-hmm. so a, as you look at at uh, people around the world either they do it kind of by their own opinion or through the the lens of some other Christ, other religion but there are christians who have gone through this and mm-hmm. they uh, dinesh d'souza who is a christian author uh, his wife when she, when he started dating her he said, I got, she said, I got to tell you something. Uh, <laughs> and like, he, oh boy. <laughs> she, was a Christ, she was a Christian and she went off cliff um, and had a very serious accident Golly. and had one of these experiences. And, and she interprets it. She interpreted the experience through the lens of the Bible and what does God say? Who does Jesus say about these, about life and afterlife and those experiences? And of course, she came out of that with a very different interpretation yeah. than a person who said, uh, this is what I think, or this is what Muhammad thinks, or um, whatever. So, um, so I think in the big picture, Christians, evangelical Christians in particular, have distrusted these experiences. Yeah. Uh, by and large, we've distrusted them because the interpretation of these experiences, two out of three of these groups really skew the interpretation to something that doesn't jive at all with what the Bible says. Yeah. And so the tendency amongst Christians is to say none of it can be true. Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's not true at all, but there are Christians who've had the experience and they've interpreted, they've looked at it through the lens of Scripture and it hasn't given them a deviant doctrine. It's given them a doctrine, the experience has jived with the doc, with the Bible. So if they are real experiences, they have to be interpreted. And just like every other piece of life and death, they're interpreted through the lens of what God says, not what I think. Right. Um, which that brings up, I think, a very interesting point. You know, Christians are skeptical of this and you know i mean you highlighted those reasons and then you've got you know we've mentioned kind of chokingly you know the book industry that's kind of spewed out of that um but you also have the secular scientific world that seems very very dead set against this very being distrustful a of it yes possibility why why do they think that way yeah that the there's a there's a branch or a segment of of secular science that is just committed to the fact to this idea that human beings do not have souls that we are just material stuff that we're carbon molecules and electronic impulses and that's all we are we don't have theirs we are one dimensional beings that do not have a immaterial part and of course um if you're committed to the fact that you don't have a mind you only have a brain yeah you don't have a you don't have a soul and a consciousness and a and a conscience uh you just have a brain that fires and tells you do this or do that uh of course the 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 upside of that for the for this group of people the people who hold this is those who pursue this through the lens of science uh, are also atheists. Mm-hmm. So they insist there's no God, and therefore human beings cannot have a soul, right. which would make them accountable, make them make them like God in some pa- fashion, and accountable to God beyond this life. And so you find, uh, was the uh, Dawkins, Richard Dawkins, who says, you're dead, you're dead, you go to the ground, and uh, you're, you're 
that's it. There's nothing beyond it because this is all there is to life. And um, and so there's a whole group of folks who who really are hard on this because they don't want there to be a soul. If there's anything that comes out of this for the Christian that is that causes us to take pause, it's that these experiences may not tell us very much about heaven, but they may tell us about this reality that there is a soul. Yeah. That may be one of the first evidences we have experientially that soul that the soul is um, uh, is a very real part of who we are. But anyway, you but they so they they're really hard on this and these the secular science really hard on it and um, they want to dismiss it um, and so they say things like, well, it's a memory of. The coming through the birth canal—that's what you're experiencing. The, the brain's in trauma, and, ah, yes. and well, problem is you don't see when you're a baby, and it's really dark. <laughs> you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, there is not a light in seeing loved ones and having a vision of this. It doesn't happen. You know, um, some say, well, it's, you can recreate it through stress. It's the it's the dying brain. A brain. Well, if it's a dying brain, why do only three percent of the people have it? Everybody dies. So right. why does why does just three to five percent of the people have this experience? Um, others have said, well, we can recreate this experience by putting G forces on people, uh, and we can we can manipulate uh, a near death experience. Um, they can manipulate pieces of it, but they've never been able to manipulate all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, in 1984, a woman named Maria uh, was. Um, she was a migrant worker in Seattle. They took her to a hospital with cardiac arrest. She yep. had one of these experiences. She told her social worker, who happened to be named Kim Clark, um, hey, I lifted off my body. I saw them working on me, and I went outside of this hospital, and there's a shoe on the third floor <laughs> of on a ledge on the third floor of this hospital. I saw it. Could you check it out? And the woman didn't believe her, and she came in at night. There's no way she could see it on the third floor. Yeah. She's never been to the hospital. I mean, it's like so many things. She went out, checked room to room on the third floor, found the shoe, and the woman said <laughs> the, uh, the, the there was a shoelace under under the heel of the shoe. And sure enough, there was – and so <laughs> it was one of these weird moments. That, well, nobody's been able to recreate those kind of things. Um 1991, a woman named Pam Reynolds was had a brain aneurysm and had to have a surgery to do it. They had to put her into hypothermic um, and to th- lower her body down to temperature of 30 or 60 degrees, so her brain and her heart stopped. And then they manip- they mechanically kept her alive while they worked on her brain. They taped her eyes shut, put put things in her ears to put a click in her ear so they could they could tell when her brain went silent and when she came out of that surgery successful she even though her eyes were taped shut she told them she had this out of body experience and she told them to describe the saw that they used to to <laughs> open up her head and it wasn't a regular saw she said it was like a toothbrush which is exactly what it was <laughs> it looked like a toothbrush electric toothbrush and she recounted uh, even though her brain her brain waves were were blank, she recounted conversations that they had while they were operating on her. Mm. Just these weird things that happen like that. So those things have never been explained or recreated. Uh, even deaf, we have people that are blind who have these who then wake up and they tell people visual experiences and accurately describe what they saw, and they're blind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, those are those are weirdisms and and twists to this that is hard to explain. Um, and manipulating a near death experience has never done that. So. Yeah. So 
what uh, in the in the words of the uh, the wonderful Francis Schaeffer, you know, in light of this, uh, how should we then live? What's the uh, what's the conclusion yeah. on uh, on all of this? Well, I think the I think the jury is out whether this is the brain. You know, the, as the brain dies, it doesn't get clarity; it gets foggier. So. It's hard to believe that this is just <clears throat> the effect of a dying brain. But um, if we find out that this is somehow a natural phenomena, I don't think nothing's nothing gained, nothing lost, you know. <clears throat> but if this is if this is a real experience, then it still needs to be interpreted. Mm-hmm. And if somebody that three to five percent comes out and says, "Hey, I had this experience." They still have to. It, they have to be interpreted through a lens of something. And when a person tells you what they're experiencing, they're they are interpreting through a lens, either through the lens of their own opinion, through another religion, or through Christianity. And the interpretation of it is is I think where most of us have a struggle. Uh, if the experience is real, the interpretation is is subjective. It has to be interpreted through some means, and we should be very careful about what we conclude uh, if it doesn't jive with their lineup with what the Bible says. Um, it could be. It could be. If these are re- real experiences, then the reality is that it would be empirical evidence that human beings are not just brains. Uh, they have a soul, and um, that's true whether these things are ex- these whether these things are real or not. Human beings the Bible tells us, are not just brains. They also are minds. They're not just bodies. They're also souls. And it would just be a confirmation of that. Right. If it turns out to be something else, uh, doesn't change what the Bible says. It's just one more thing that hasn't proven to be a defining evidence. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, that was a very good, I think, uh, discussion there on the... Uh near-death experiences and... Uh, NDEs and you. Yes. <laughs> no. So uh, hopefully that'll uh, clear some things up for our folks. And uh, thanks for uh, joining us today and for yeah. enlightening us on that topic. All right. And we'll see you all uh, next time. Also, special thanks to Gus, the studio dog. <laughs> <laughs>